Welcome to Digital First Leadership, the podcast that focuses on helping leaders and teams understand how to master the language of social media in today's digital first world. Hi, I'm Richard Bliss, host of Digital First Leadership Podcast. Thanks for listening and thanks for joining us again. My guest today is somebody that I've known for a very long time, but it's one of those interesting relationships where you have to define how you know each other. I'm joined by Robbie Fitzwater, who's a marketing professor over at Clemson of the MBA program and also the founder of Marketing Rhythm. And he joins me on the show today. Robbie, thanks for joining me. Richard, looking forward to this. Like, it's always a pleasure, always a treat. And yes, um, I always smile when I think about, again, like kind of the way we've been connected over the years and just the, the, um, those small world scenarios that we've, we've crossed paths because it's been kind of fascinating. It is. And what's interesting is that we're not in a small world. You and I, it's a small world and we've crossed paths, but these worlds that we're in are not small, right? Um, the, the fact that, so for the listening audience, Robbie and I met in Arkansas, I don't know what, 10 years ago, eight years ago, something like that. Yeah. yeah I think 2012 is when, yeah, right. Um, 10 years ago, I think we connected and, and sir, go for it. No, go for it. And yeah, meeting you there, you're you're speaking about again the crowd crowdfunding, yeah. and so much of so much of what you said really resonated and like struck a chord. And I was excited to connect with you. And like through the years, we've been in touch in a few different capacities, like from talking shop on social media. Um, you used to live in Greenville. I live in Greenville, South Carolina, right now. Right. Um, these weird connections that I was like, oh wait. I'm seeing on LinkedIn, like you're, you're in, you were in Greenville and you're connected with two other people that I kind of know. This is, you've been kind of like Kevin Bacon in different areas. And then this <laughs> last year, um, our mutual friend, Mark Schaefer was like, Hey, I wanted, um, I have an extra pass, an extra pass to a, um, to a conference and, oh yeah, this other guy named like Richard Bliss is going to be joining us. And I was like, Richard, what? Like, this <laughs> right? is just like, they were completely serendipity when it happens worlds outside of each other, small worlds, but they're completely unrelated. My Kickstarter crowdfunding that you met me in Arkansas 10 years ago, then you living in Greenville. I lived in Greenville over 20 years ago, so we didn't meet there. But the fact that we lived virtually speaking in different times, time epics, very near to each other. And then that Mark Schaefer connection, that one was surprising because when Mark came back to me and said, Hey, uh, you know, Robbie Fitzwater. And I'm like, yeah, why do you, why do you know him? Right. It was one of those fun things. And then we got to spend some time together because it's only, we've only seen each other twice in person over those 10 year span. And that's really what the world is today, right? It's this digital world where, you know, people, we don't have the language to capture this concept of how, you know, somebody, because in the past, knowing somebody implied physical proximity, right? Geographical bias. I spent some time physically with this person and I, you and I did, but it was a very short amount of time. And so tell us a little bit about what you do at, um, what you teach at Clemson, because it's an MBA program. It's about marketing, digital marketing strategies. So tell us a little bit about that. So I teach digital marketing strategy, um, in addition to social media strategy, uh, marketing foundations and advanced marketing in the Clemson MBA program. I've taught one class on the undergraduate side too, but have worked in the digital space for since the beginning of my career, since about 2008. 
So I've spent about as much time in the digital space as, as most marketers. And over that time, I've gotten to do a lot of really neat things, was the director of social for Clemson University, was the director of marketing for a um, like $50 million e-commerce business. And over the years, I've done a lot of like cool things and had a lot of fun learning and growing in the marketing space. Um, but recognize, hey, there's a big gap in like the skills and insights marketers need in the real world and the skills that students that are coming out of school have that are getting marketing degrees. So um, my wife is actually teaches undergraduate marketing at Clemson University too. And it's a challenge because like marketing moves so fast that it's a challenge for marketers to keep up, let alone people in the academic space. So I was like, I need to put up or shut up and decided to start teaching a few years ago. And I really loved it, but get to bring kind of a practitioner mindset to understanding marketing. And basically the, my goal for the classes are trying to help students understand what they see around them because they see some of the best digital marketing in the world every day because they're citizens of the world and trying to understand, hey, um, this is what's going on there. This is why when I'm searching on Google, this is what I see. This is why when I'm searching on looking on social, this is the content that's coming through basically so they can unpack it from a from a business standpoint and they can view it through the lens of making a business impact. And it's really fun because they in so many ways, like I have a lot of younger students, I have a lot of older students, and so much of those digital technologies are kind of their superpower. They get them, they use them as people, and it's just trying to help them frame that, frame it from a business context and and understand the value proposition behind the what's going on on the back end. So as you uh, were at the beginning, as the recording here, we're about to enter the new school year uh, for students coming into your classes. And as they approach this subject. And as you approach this subject, I've got to believe that some of the key elements that you're teaching are applicable to our audience, my audience, and people who are learning and wanting to know what are some of the key elements that go into a digital marketing strategy. And so what what would be two or three things that you're going to teach these students and hope that they walk away with that would also be applicable to a marketing leader who's out there trying to make this make sense of the world as well? So thinking about it, and because again, I always joke that I've been, I've been working in marketing for about the last like 14 years, I probably had about eight different career changes because it changes so fast and it evolves so quickly that like nuts and bolts wise, like not going to be able to get a, gain a lot of ground in terms of that category, but there are a lot of durable concepts that you can kind of take away from things that really help you understand how does my strategy align in different areas. So the first thing I always really try and hammer home is we need to connect this with the business objective all the time. Again, because digital can be measured and understood so consistently, we need to be able to connect this to a business objective. And I like to make that simple by kind of, hey, thinking there's, I was kind of bringing this back to the concept of there's three ways to geometrically grow a business. You can increase the number of customers. You can increase the average order value for your, for transactions and you can increase the number of the number and frequency of purchases. So if you double any one of those three, you double the value, you double the revenue of your business. And number two and three generally come without an acquisition cost. And from the marketing perspective, they're not always the best understood because they're not always the sexiest because again, new customers is attractive and that's exciting, but we want to understand how to, again, pull those levers to drive business outcomes. And that's one of the concepts that are really trying to hammer home. And we, through the course of the semester and through our projects is, are definitely something that we need to be aware of consistently and being able to tie 
the impact, the investment we're making in marketing back to a business impact because so much of what you're doing is so abstract to so many different areas of the business too, that even maintaining the level of investment in marketing, it's hard. But if you can connect, hey, this is why XYZ person is posting onto social because it's going to do this, this, and this, you make that business, you make that argument so much stronger because you can back that up with data and back that up with an impact at the end of the day that shows, hey, we're moving the business forward as opposed to this warm, fuzzy thing that people think makes an impact, but they can't really prove it. Right. There's that famous saying, half of my advertising dollars are wasted. I just don't know which half. Right. And with digital, sometimes you can get much more granular. And I'm going to go back to what you said, those three things. And to use a just a, a simple example so that people who are listening know what you talked about, because you covered a lot of things there. If you're McDonald's, the way you grow your business is you get more people to come to McDonald's, right, to a franchise, or you raise your prices on the products you have so that those who are coming are spending more money, or you get the people who are coming to add nuggets to their Big Mac rather than simply, right, buying the Big Mac. Or, 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 or you get them to come more frequently. So you get them to right. come for breakfast and lunch as opposed to just breakfast. Right. Um, so, yep. And... Okay. So you buy them more frequently, increase the revenue pricing is one buying more frequently or buying more products and different things right now i'm seeing out there uh it's interesting because i read an article just recently about the netflix what's going on with netflix right so they're losing subscribers but one of the things that they're doing is saying look you, we're not gonna let you have freeloaders anymore uh we're going to add a two-tier pricing and so in some ways and the, the article touched on that point where you just said the sexiness of, oh, we want more subscribers, more subscribers. But at some point, churn is a natural aspect and you want to focus on keeping the customers who really like your service rather than trying to find marginal ones that are going to just churn through. And, and I got to say one thing. The latest Predator movie came out, the prequel to Predator called Prey. It's on Hulu. I am not a Hulu subscriber, but I was for a day. I signed up for Hulu, watched the movie. It's within my seven-day or 30-day free window. Next, after I watched the movie, I went and canceled. So I would count as a new subscriber, but obviously Hulu's not going to really get any value out of me. Yeah, and in, in, in that way, I again, for, for Marketing Rhythm, we've worked with mainly e-commerce businesses, and we see this really, really clearly because so many e-commerce businesses are really great at building glorified vending machines where they focus all on the acquisition side and none zero on the retention side. But we're focusing all of our attention on the bright audience and not necessarily the right audience. And if we really focus on the best customers, those are the ones that are driving the most revenue, the biggest impact. And that's like the 80-20 principle really applies there because if we get to focus on the best customers that are driving the most business impact, that's gonna, again, re result in, in more revenue for the business. And a lot of that is coming without the acquisition cost of bringing on that new that new person. So focusing attention where it in a strategic way, as opposed to just on just bringing more and more volume in. And I understand this principle, which is why when it comes to travel, I just got back from a trip late last night. Uh, when it comes to where I stay at a hotel, what airline I fly, I because I know instinctively that because I fly Delta and I'm a diamond member on Delta, that if things go wrong they're going to take care of me, right? I know that they're going to take care of me. And why? Because they're looking down that balance sheet going, this guy, let's let's keep him. Now, the 
unfortunately, the poor family that just bought the ticket to go to Disneyland and had their flight canceled, and they fly they fly Delta once every six two years. Unfortunately, we we feel that they should be taken care of, but if it comes to me or them, it's they're getting kicked off the island, and I'm not. And and that's just and that makes it sound bad for Delta, but every airline or hotel or and I've relied on it so many times that when things go wrong. If I give my loyalty to a company, oftentimes, if they're paying attention, they'll give that loyalty back, and sometimes it's well worth it. And so that's what you're talking about, is taking care of those customers that you know are the most valuable, bringing you that business. Yeah, and and so from that perspective, we have a semester-long project that they focus on understanding a specific business in a specific category, their competitors, what the landscape of that category looks like where those opportunities are. And then basically they're giving recommendations on where where that business should be placing their bets. And they really need to tie those recommendations back to solid business principles of, hey, how's this going to connect to a bottom line impact? Because warm, fuzzy metrics and vanity metrics are not going to feed your family. You need to be, again, making an impact with the marketing you're doing, or again, you're not going to have the latitude to, to experiment and grow that marketing. As you see these students come in, uh, are you seeing a change in perception when it comes to digital marketing strategy? Do you get people who are coming who have some experience and they're like, oh, well, I know how to do this. And then they have to unlearn some of the elements that they've learned. Um, or is there some challenges that you're seeing with the shifting nature of digital marketing? So again, I think it's really unique because every different, I, I always feel so spoiled because I have MBA students. They're coming in with like, with real world experience they can bring to the classroom. So it's really kind of fun because I just basically ideally try and tee them up for great conversations um, or great discussions around, hey, um, like Sally, you work in sales. How would you view this from that perspective? Like, how would you view, like, would this would this more qualified lead be easier for you as a salesperson? What What's the pluses and minuses to that? Those are great conversations that we can have and bring different business, like insights from different areas of the business into the fold. But the insights on digital are just seem really fuzzy, especially when it when it comes to, again, some of the more like nuts and bolts operational marketing, the parts that's aren't that aren't necessarily sexy. Um, those are the parts that are kind of a that where the gap is with a lot of students on insights and understanding of a lot of the areas of marketing. I always joke like it always come a lot have a lot of students come in thinking marketing is going to be like that show Emily in Paris. And it is not the case. Um, yeah, shamelessly have watched Emily in Paris too. Everybody <laughs> needs like their like checkout shows, but have had so many students come and think like that's what marketing is. It's not what marketing is. Like that's what a lot of the real world, real work is done behind the scenes, planning, executing, and really being strategic about where you place your bets. My wife is a, uh, a marketing campaign manager for a large organization called Box, a big technology uh, SaaS company. And sometimes I'll listen in on her calls or look at the work that she's doing and the amount of data, the amount of record, uh, the amount of uh, tracking. And I got I say, I look at her and say, there's no way I could do that. I, I have no ability to do that. Because when I came up through the ranks of marketing, it was razzle dazzle, the showman, the marketing, the buzz, the charisma, right? It was the fun stuff. Now it's data scientists who are saying, look, do this you get this result. Do this, you get this result. Okay, yeah, we appreciate, as you said, the warm fuzzy metrics, but this is the things that drive the business. And so I think for some people of a certain demographic, I'm pointing at myself on that one, 
they probably have to struggle with that a little bit. It, it, it's a it's a balance of the art and science, and that's where like it, it, for so many marketers, we 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 leverage data. The data is only going to take us to a certain point. We've got to bring that creative aspect be, to push farther beyond that. Just what that data is going to say. But the really good marketers of tomorrow and of today are the ones that are using both. And you can find those balance of art and science where you can make strategic decisions and then push those decisions farther and really kind of optimize what you're doing because you can take it one step beyond what's what we know works and kind of evolve it over time because it's a moving target. Is that what you're doing? So marketing rhythm, uh, what you have founded that helps these e-commerce sites, that's kind of what you're doing there, helping those organizations figure out that balance. Is that right? Yeah. So we we focus mainly on retention marketing. So we're focusing on, again, like we talked about those growth multipliers, number two and number three, because they're just not focused on for those businesses. But if we can build like basically really great retention systems, we can we can increase their revenue a really substantial amount because like we're getting people to purchase the second time, the third time, the fourth time. And sometimes we can get them to purchase like as many times as we want or like a subscription program, we can get gain subscribers to, again, be consistent reoccurring monthly revenue for them, which is really attractive because suddenly they have consistent high levels of predictive monthly revenue that they didn't have in the past. And we also can, again, build systems that generate revenue month after month where they're not just focused on continuing to acquire more and more new customers, we can really continue that, that relationship on. And we see their best customers really bringing in so much more value than they would otherwise. And we can basically understand how to train them to be better and better customers over time through content marketing and through just building relationships and understanding them. That's right. And that's really important as we continue to see uh, customers are more comfortable using that subscription model now. Well, I, I mean, from hardware to software, which I'm in the tech industry, right? The the market has shifted to understanding the subscription model as a way of consuming a wide variety of goods and services, right? And so it's becoming easier and easier for a company to not have to educate their audience that, hey, the subscription model, let me explain what that means, right? Renting software uh, in the early days, but uh, almost every business now can think of some aspect of that e-commerce, of that subscription model, of something that they're providing. Isn't that is that fairly accurate? Yeah, and and where it's really fascinating is just going through the thought experiment of like, hey, what if we were a SaaS based company? How would we look at our business? Like, if I sell children's clothing, what is the re the repurchase rate that somebody's gonna have to buy children's clothing? Like, again, kids are growing every three months from like three three month onesies to six month onesies to nine month onesies. You know, there's gonna be some natural repurchase rate in there. So planning for that and really diving into that that thought process of thinking like, Hey, how do I minimize the churn in my audience so I can retain them over time. And basically once we've got them to purchase, we just need to maintain that relationship and maintain their attention because they're going to need to purchase this eventually. And if we're adding value beyond the transaction, we're going to be the first people they're purchasing from, and it's going to make it a lot easier. So we're not, we don't, we don't commoditize our business. We, we separate ourselves and differentiate ourselves. And I'm always joking, like, we're never going to outscale the giants in our space, but we can outhuman them. And that's where we can really make an impact. And that's what can make a difference for and us. What's not, and what's nice about that example is that there's no shortage of new humans being made. So you right. That's a built-in <laughs> onesies is a built-in business. <laughs> yeah. And they, and they destroy them so fast and it's, they do. it's kind of, it's kind it's of hilarious because like, it's, it's awesome. Yeah, it's, 
which is why I think Disney Plus is doing so well on the streaming wars because they have a built-in audience that never ages out, right? New kids, new new people, and they've just done such a great job of of taking on Netflix with that. So I'm just fascinated Disney, by what I'm seeing on the Disney streaming. Disney Plus, Disney Plus is not like a necessary purchase. It's basically just a tax on anybody with children. Absolutely, <laughs> Disney Plus is a must-have. Just goes right yeah, in there with diapers. You, yeah, you got to just do it. Hey, uh, for people to be able to find uh, marketing rhythm, I'm going to just give you the the website is MKTG, short for marketing. And then Rhythm, R-H-Y-T-H-M.com. One of the most commonly misspelled words in the English language. So so going back, I wanted to kind of like call out like, yeah, we want to teach our clients. So like making, making it feel like a course, like MKTG, right. again, as, a t- as a, putting my professorial hat on, I want to do that. And then Rhythm, like we always focus on like building a rhythm, like it's a consistency as opposed to intensity that really drives growth. Um, for so many of our clients and so much of our, like what we really preach and connecting those two. And if in hindsight, I wish I could have got, I almost wish I could go back and like, Hey, this could be easier to spell and to make it easier for people to find, <laughs> right. but it is what it is. And yeah, it is what it is. It. We'll send it out and make sure that our audience can listen to it. Robbie, it is always a pleasure to have you on the on the, on the show to chat and talk with you. And hopefully I'm going to be able to see you later on this year if I stop into Greenville. So that's, that's the plan. Yeah. Or yeah. And I'm sure if nothing else, we'll connect, we'll be, we will be seeing each other in the next little bit. I have no doubt it'll be, it won't be too long. I'm thinking if I go in for a root canal, you're going to be in the chair next to me for some random reason. I mean, it's just going to be so just Hey, it's been great. Robbie, thanks for joining me. Richard, you have a good one. It's been a treat. Thank you. You've been listening to Digital First Leadership. My guest has been Robbie Fitzwater, who is a uh, professor of marketing uh, MBA program at Clemson University and founder of Marketing Rhythm. And we've been talking about uh, marketing strategies and what's going on out there, and particularly SaaS and the subscription model and a whole variety of other things. Hopefully you found it helpful and interesting. I always do. Thanks for listening. Take care. You've been listening to Digital First Leadership, the podcast where you learn to leverage and build your expertise on digital platforms. For more valuable tips on mastering the language of social media, subscribe to our newsletter at blisspointconsult.com. If you'd like to stay in touch, feel free to add Richard on LinkedIn and join the conversation.